0: Um, okay, so we're here for another episode of Charity Chat. I'm Samuel Davies. I'm here with my, my fellow <laughs> Charity Chat committee members, Ezwin Muggle, Hello. who you all know, and Dawn Ballard, who you all know, Hi. if you've listened to the previous episodes anyway. So uh, welcome to Charity Chat, everyone. And uh, today we're in another London cafe with the various background noises that you all know and love, and we're talking about diversity. And Dawn, you had a very interesting chat with another contributor, Carol Akiroumi, recently about diversity. What did you find out?
1: Um, well it was brilliant. She's so very passionate about her uh, diversity within the charity sector. She's got such great energy and so motivating to sort of be making a difference and an impact. Um, so interestingly she's been involved with um, the IOF Black Fundraisers group, and she's been involved with the EDI panel and recently they've been involved with getting their new manifesto out so it's quite exciting and she's um obviously quite influential in what she's been doing she
0: sounds like a very passionate advocate for the diversity in the charity sector yeah
1: absolutely and that was really key and it really came across and so i've got some notes from our meeting so uh, i shall fill you in so we started by talking about, you know, why a diverse workforce is important. And we were talking about how diversity equals creativity. You know, you've got lots of different points of view and that's very kind of holistic then in regards to kind of best practice because you're really exploring every avenue and getting loads of different ways of um, thinking. If you're sitting around with people with, this, with you know, a similar age, similar background, you can come up with similar ideas. So you really need to kind of stretch that out. And especially, you know, in London and fundraising, and you know, we're we're so multicultural, we're so diverse, and we've all been through different things, and we want to bring that to the table. So we talked about just how important it was to have that breadth of experience, and you know, challenge ways of thinking and bring new ideas, and uh, and then hopefully that will also you know reflect to our beneficiaries and our donors. <laughs>
0: Is there, is there an issue with representation there? Because I thought I saw somewhere, there's this uh, Cadbury Trust report, who's doing the asking, uh, this is back in 2013, I think, where they, they did a split of fundraisers and ethnicities, and that seemed to marry up with the uh, 2011 census that I saw. So 87% of uh, even the census for the UK are white, 87% of fundraisers identified as white in this uh Cambridge Trust Report.
1: So that's the same. So surely that's there's isn't that an issue? Not quite so London orientated though, okay, is it? So with okay. so many more charities in London and um such a much more diverse mix of population and I think that's why it's it's really important especially to, to have that here.
2: And I think diversity is really important as well because I think the charity sectors at a crossroads um in order how to because of the issues that we're dealing with so a lot of talk in the childhood sector is about innovation mm. and if we yeah. want to talk about new ideas new ways of thinking, thinking outside the box I think we need to have diversity yeah. I don't think that's only racial diversity mm. I think that's also um, the ethnicity, um, the sexual orientation that disability disability exactly yeah. so they, the, the range of diversity I think, and I think the Institute of Fundraising has through their manifesto of change highlighted the key areas that the sector needs to improve on. So I think it's really important to understand the whole remit of diversity and what it includes and how that can be beneficial for organisations to utilise their skill sets. And especially senior leaders, I think the push needs to come from senior management to take this issue seriously in order for it to get pushed down and also I'm sure later we'll talk about middle managers and what they can do to improve diversity, but I think the effort has to come from senior leadership teams. For example, the number of CEOs (laughs) that are from a diverse background is very limited at the moment. Because then how are they
1: reflecting their beneficiaries? Exactly. You know, that's where it's it's really key. That's where the the gap is so wide, I think. So, yeah, we talked about, she was saying, you know, it's kind of proven that we want that better understanding of our beneficiaries and our users, we want that reflected in our workplace. Um, diverse teams do perform better because you've got that breadth. There is greater innovation, there's greater creativity. Once you've started committing to a diverse workforce, then it's easier, like it's that culture change that needs to happen, or if you're starting to do it, keep building it and growing on it. The brand, it reflects the brand well if you've actually got a representative, it's representative yeah. workplace and obviously reflects the community that you're working in. So um there's so many benefits.
0: So in summary we've identified that there's an underrepresentation of non-white people in the UK working in fundraising and, and within the charity sector as a whole. What, what are the barriers that are causing this? Well,
1: we discussed the fact that there's quite a lot of unconscious bias, um, and from a recruitment point of view, which is obviously my background, um, you've got to to get into the charity sector is really hard it's there's so many barriers you need to have volunteered you need to have been interning therefore you need to come from a wealthy enough background where people can support you in doing those things so one of my biggest struggles I have with um, entry-level candidates is just how do they get that experience unless they're kind of in that lucky situation where they have been able to to volunteer and do things and that's where you know, that that doesn't make them the best person for the role, um, so that those kind of things are, are tricky to get over. Um, so there's, a, then, there's
0: there's almost there's a kind of a, a socio-economic yeah. aspect to this diversity as well. Yeah. It's saying that it's not, it's not representative everybody. of people in society. It's no. not just middle class. Yeah. you know, wealthy people that are able to go into the charity no, centre. It shouldn't be. But it, it is, yeah, right? it
1: is, and it shouldn't be, and that needs to change. So, so essentially, yeah. you know, what Carol was saying is, you know, this is going to be a, a journey. It's a long journey. We need to try new things. We need to shoot for the moon and set excellent standards in regard to, you know, our recruitment process, processes, but also retention. You know, it's all very well having somebody in that ticks the box, but if you don't feel make them feel comfortable and not just at work but you know when they're having their lunch and if they're eating something that's unfamiliar it's not your prep sandwich then you know just to to not let those things make someone feel like an outsider so it really does need to be a a cultural thing for an organisation and, and she recognised, you know, people are going to get it wrong, um, you know, and yeah. there's going to be difficult conversations to be had. Yeah. And we need to have them and we need to ask people what, you know, what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong and learn from those and, and just try and make things more um, open and accessible to moving forwards. And in regards to kind of, obviously if it's top down, that's easiest. Um, So if you've got a diverse trustee board, then obviously that will hopefully influence um, the people, the senior leadership team, and it should trickle down from there. But but even if you don't have that, as an individual in your workplace, you can do what you know is right, which is be very aware of um, the issues around diversity and when you're doing your own recruitment, to bear that in mind and um, try and make people feel more welcome and, and
2: make things more accessible. So I think that fundraising has to be seen as a career of choice for people from all backgrounds. I think sure. that's really vital. So even before people are interested in the sector or want to get into the sector as an intern or uh, at a junior level, I think the conversation needs to start before that. Okay. Um, I think. Um, a lot of uh, attention is to other sectors, and that's you know that's fair enough, and I think to an extent that will always happen. So you look at the, you know, you look at the legal profession, you look at engineering, you look at medicine, and a lot of people are swayed in that direction. That's perfectly fine, but I also think that there needs to be a conversation had, perhaps at a high school level, or perhaps having sector leaders go into schools and talk about fundraising. And see it as a a potential career opportunity especially
1: because so many faiths are based around that helping giving supporting others you know it's Mm. such a big part of a lot of people's religions um that it absolutely makes sense that coming into the charity sector and and doing things like fundraising where you can make a difference and change the world is uh, a viable option and it's interesting
0: do charities do we think (laughs) charities have a um a remit or should have a remit to actually help to lead society in diversity or is it that they're actually not even up to speed with where society is in terms of diversity? I mean there are other sectors, we talked about, there are companies outside of the charity sector who are investing more and more in diversity. In some ways it seems that the charity sector has to catch up with that, not only um, Go beyond it and lead society in, in more diverse workplaces.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I totally think it should be leading the way, but I absolutely know that it's not on, on a lot of levels. You know, we talked a lot about um, gender divides as well as um, um, the AME backgrounds and disability being part of it. it it's, um, I think it does need to take a long, hard look at itself, and I think the, the IOF manifesto is um, going to be a brilliant one as a starting point.
0: A lot of CEOs have signed up. Yeah. To the manifesto, so they've signed up for their organisation to imbibe the yes. the the criteria, the uh, the aspects of the manifesto.
1: Yeah, which is great, and it's a great recognition that we know that there's potential, um, and we want to address it. But um, you know, it's still, you know, a long way to go. Yeah, I think it's sad to see. You know, we were having this
2: conversation before, and it's quite sad to see the charity sector behind society in this regard Absolutely. because of our role in the sector is to um, ensure that everyone, no matter what your background, is given a, a good chance at life Absolutely and the fact yeah. that our own sector is not kind of espousing those values mm. is, is quite, it's quite sad to see that but yeah. I think that at least there now is a plan in place from the Institute of Fundraising which is our, our kind of regulation body to have that support for all organisations, small, medium and large. And I think that's another good point is how do, you know, smaller organisations and smaller charities attract? Because that will be very different to the larger organisations because perhaps they have more investment in, in diversity or they can recruit a diversity specialist sure. or they can have more systems in place to recruit people from a diverse race and background. Mm. If you're from a smaller organisation, you might not have that investment. Mm. So how does that, I think the Institute of Fundraising needs to look at how both small and large organisations, medium-sized organisations and deal with the issue of diversity because it's going to be very different in terms of financial um, resources but also time that each um, member of staff has as well to look into the issue for their organisation and it depends on what, what your organisation does as well. So,
0: and I suppose all of this discussion and, and the work the IOF are doing, is it seems to be the spirit of it seems to be, it's not that there's necessarily always been an intention to, to prevent people from different backgrounds from coming into the charity sector. It's more out of ignorance. And I'm, you know, I suppose a lot of people, probably including me at in times, have been ignorant of the challenges faced by different groups even considering coming into the charity yeah. sector. So it seems to be within that spirit. And I, I suppose that that's, and having myself tripped up on a lot of the stats out there about representation, as we've said, 87% of people in the UK, according to the 2011 census, are white. 87% of fundraisers identified in the um, Barrow Cadbury Trust report, who's doing the asking, are white. What's the problem? Well, then we come back to the fact that there's huge underrepresentation because actually the uh, diverse nature of places like London, which has a much bigger representation of charities, means that it's far out of kilter with... um The the ratio of of people living and working in London who have different backgrounds, racial backgrounds, to white, and then the same stat of 87% fundraisers that are white. It's out of kilter. So there is a massive problem, but it's not always very obvious. And I think this work that's being done now with what Carol's saying as well is fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's really highlighting something that um, is only going to make the sector bigger, better. You know, we're we're all like, as fundraisers, what is the next big idea? Well, we're probably going to find it by, you know, asking such a diverse group of people to to input into it. Um, And engaging with supporters. With supporters and the beneficiaries and all your, yeah, like, you know, supporter journey is so important. But, you know, how do we talk to different types of people about different types of things? How do we get them involved? What is the best way? Um, You know, another diverse workforce we care about that. It was interesting actually because she mentioned about um, millennials. Millennials care a lot about diversity. So back to your point about giving them fundraising in the charity sector as a career path, actually that's something that really works for them. And, and if we can show, you know, we're leading the way with that, that's going to be um, that's going to be great. Yeah, so in regards to kind of what we can do to, to make things better for um, to get this diverse workforce, you know, I've mentioned. Culturally, the organisation needs to be committed to it. Um, you know, that's everybody, every individual, every level. And again, that needs to be represented also in the volunteers and looking at the supporters as well. We can look at being intentional about filling jobs with people who obviously are highly qualified, but also diverse too. And again, as a recruiter, when I take a brief from an organisation, if they finish the brief or mention the brief, you know, we're open to people with disabilities or from diverse backgrounds, like. I'm obviously bearing that in mind whenever I do my recruitment. But if they're telling me that, then you know that that's culturally something that they're really taking on board. Sure. sure. We have things There are certain organisations that all say to us, "Can you anonymise application forms and CVs and things like that?" So they're doing things to kind of try and prevent any unconscious bias or things like that as well. But we also want to potentially hold leaders accountable for creating diverse teams. You know, let's. Really get everyone's buy-in and make sure that they are leading the way, the way they should be, bearing that all in mind, and and, and making it a safe space for everybody, not just diverse people, but people that are trying and maybe getting it wrong. It is a learning process, and we have got quite a long way to go.
0: There there were comments about. uh whether the website of an organisation is um, diverse as well, whether, you know, the imagery yeah. and yeah, brand. The, the brand is... is
1: reflected, yeah. We talked about people that um, are doing it well, um, and Bernardo's um, was mentioned by Carol as an organisation that really do lead well on strong commitment to diversity. And um, I worked there as a fundraiser in my past life. And, um, you know, the posters, they're showing... Um, you know gay families and um you know really like disability people with disabilities in the, like in the marketing and in the branding and again just you know they they've got a great ceo that's very much for um diversity yeah. I know they're recruiting at the moment for um, community fundraisers that will specifically work in the black and minority ethnic communities. Yeah. so you know they're leading the way and they're going to get they're going to reap the rewards of that and that's going to be brilliant so yeah keep an eye on them
0: <laughs> did Carol mention anything about positive discrimination
1: yeah we talked about sort of quotas and whether that's kind of the answer but really we want the best people for the right for the roles so whether it doesn't matter what that person is or looks like or like they've just got to be the best person so actually the positive discrimination just doesn't feel quite right yes. it does need to be the best person for the job but we want to make sure that everyone sees it as an option and is um, you know in getting into the sector or in front of the relevant hiring managers in order to to bring their experience
2: I completely agree I don't think um having a quota system is probably the best way to go. I think we need to, as a sector, have a serious conversation about diversity and not just have a tick box exercise that HR departments run and make sure that, like you said Dawn, the person that's recruited is the right person for the job. Mm. We can do a lot more as a sector to get a more diverse workforce. So perhaps an opportunity to have mentoring schemes yeah. So if there is um, you know, a role model that you look up to that's a senior leader, want to have a mentoring opportunity there where you can learn from them yes. and you, they can teach you different ways of working um, and actually kind of in- increase your knowledge of the sector and what you're working on whether that be trust fundraising, individual giving mm. but also can give you tips and things that they've struggled with in their journey up there to senior leadership for example and I think that's a, a yeah. good way to go as well. So. And our sector's really good in that sense where people are happy to share their experiences, so I think we need to utilise that a lot more than we're currently doing. Or mentoring schemes that can help you know, people that are junior and also actually help people that are senior because they see the value that they can bring to an organisation more than just their day job.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and back to the quota element, you know, you want people to feel comfortable in their role because they've earned it. They're not going to be respected as a, a female in a in the charity sector in the past. Um, yeah. you know, I would hate to think that I got a role above someone else just because I was female, sure. not because I was the best person. And no one's yeah, gonna yeah. give me respect if I've got there because someone's had to tick a box.
0: Absolutely. We talked about trustees in previous episodes, mm-hmm. and, and also there's a voluntary role, but I know that you know there's a huge discrepancy with trustees being largely white, middle-aged and uh, and wealthy. So there's a kind of a, a kind of a seemingly elite group of people that typically are trustees in a lot of charities and then there are a lot of people that aren't represented at all. So I guess that's another aspect yeah. of diversity. I think that's a really good point and I
2: think trustees is a particularly important part of an organisation obviously because they shape the organizational vision Mm. so they lay down the the key priorities that the organization is to achieve the next three five ten years sure and if that's you know shaped by a more diverse group of people then ultimately you're going to have perhaps different decision making
0: absolutely and
2: that's going to naturally lead itself down obviously we want a more diverse workforce but i think it does come to senior management it does come to people right at the top of an organization who you shape the strategy and people that work for an organization work within that strategy yeah, for the yeah. most part so I think shaping organizational strategy shaping new ideas shaping the ways to work and stuff and having and that helps by having a more diverse range of trustees and I think it is improving because I know a few colleagues in the sector that recently become trustees that are from a diverse range um, background and it's helped them in their own careers um, so their okay. fundraisers so it's helped them in in that way and it's able to for them to give more advice and support to other people within the sector. So I think it's it only points to, it's a win-win situation essentially, yeah. like having a more diverse trustee base, senior management team, and that filters down to um, employees. And then you feel comfortable around each other to share ideas mm. and different ways of looking at things. Because I think if you come from the same background, when you're viewing, whether it's organizational vision or you're viewing certain aspects, sometimes you can come at it at the same angle. Yeah. If you've got different life experiences that have helped shape you as, you as you are, then I think that allows you to have a different take on things. Absolutely. Your different experiences allow you to view things in a different way. And perhaps, you know, if we have a, a sector that's more like our beneficiary base, mm. We're more likely to solve the issues our beneficiaries are having. Yeah, we're having. bridge the
1: gap. Absolutely, like, because we'll have that You can package. understand
2: that you don't yeah. you don't have to read it in textbook and say okay, these are what <laughs> yes. our beneficiaries Absolutely. are, or what the problems or issues that yeah. are happening. Yeah. If that's your lived experience, mm. and I don't want to generalise, but if that's your lived experience, then you can just. You know what yeah. the solutions are. Potential solutions
0: are yeah. absolutely, and, and certainly it gives it kind of an inside track to solving, yeah. doesn't
1: it? it? It's back to that. You only know what you know, yeah. don't you? So you don't know what you don't know. So exactly. diverse groups will bring in different points of view, <laughs> different learnings. So, so something that Carol mentioned to me. Um, she sent me over a quote that I thought was really, uh, really summed everything up. And it was saying about how this is a journey. We've got to be committed to the long-term, systematic process that's required for real change to occur. However, for this change to be visible and meaningful it requires a critical mass so collectively we all need to learn new skills, develop new policies and change behaviours that are toxic to the recruitment and retention of diverse talent and that's really the way we're going we're to win and we're going to yeah. do well. Mm-hmm. Obviously
0: you know, we, we're in a time now where charities have taken a bit of a meeting over the last three years or so. With, terrible stories around bad governance, around bad fundraising practices and, and supportive journeys and things like this. So surely diversity is also a potential antidote to this negative mm. feeling that uh, the public have towards some charities, or in some cases uh, members of the public have towards charities. Could diversity actually be another string to our bow as a sector? Yeah, you
1: know, anything uh, that you makes uh, the charity sector just a viable option and, and reflective and All the things that we say we are, let's let's do them, let's be them. Yeah. So a couple of other points that Carol raised with me was just to really acknowledge that there is this problem with racial diversity in the charity sector and commit to working on it. So obviously we've got the the manifesto, that's brilliant, that's such great recognition that there is an issue and the right way to go about sorting it. Um, we thought we should uh, recognise the important role that leaders do have in creating this change and by modelling positive behaviour and taking action. Um, there's also, we've got to, as we mentioned, we've got to learn about racial bias, we've got to learn about how it impacts leadership decisions. Um, and maybe we do need to set kind of targets for diversity that do accurately reflect our donors, our beneficiaries, mm. and the population of the area that the charity works in. So linking yeah. back to all your statistics about kind of London mm. and what that looks like versus
0: the. Um. So maybe it's the case of you know if, if if London is rather than the rest of the UK, 59% typically white, as opposed to 87% of the rest of the country. Then London charities should be aiming for, presumably, for something around that 59% yeah. <laughs> rather than 87%, which is currently the case.
1: Absolutely, so it's going to take um, commitment and action and resources and obviously the charity sector, we, we struggle to find <laughs> money for everything we want to do, um, but it's, it's definitely going to be an investment into the future that's going to really have a, a positive impact, so we do need to, to look at trying to find those resources to um, improve racial diversity in the sector.
2: I, I totally agree with that, I think it's a long-term vision that we need to look at, not short-term. Absolutely. Because Yes, it's going to take a lot of investment. It's going to, you know, take part of the budget. and um, all budgets are already tight at the moment. And I think you know, that's going to obviously be effective. But I think the longer term vision where the sector is going um, in order to achieve the change we want to in our society yeah. and internationally. Obviously, organizations work internationally as well. So I think in the long term, that's going to benefit the sector and our beneficiaries, which is why we work and we serve them. So that's Absolutely. that's a key thing, isn't it? We can talk yeah. about diversity sometimes too internally mm. and i think the end goal is supporting our beneficiaries and i think by having a more diverse workforce it will hope it will i hope in the next 10 15 years improve the lives of our beneficiaries yeah. because it would have like what we've spoken about different ideas in innovative thinking and things like that so that's the end goal isn't it mm.
1: absolutely and one of the other points that Carol said that really resonated with me personally was about feeling confident about bringing your whole self to work. So everything, your quirks and everything. And just feeling really comfortable in your environment to, yeah. to really be you. Yeah. Um, so she was teasing me about the fact that I have, I use my Twitter for work, but I use my Facebook privately. And okay. um, for one, she said, how do I have the time, <laughs> which is a really valid point. <laughs> another point was just you know why do you feel you need to have these two personalities why not just be true to yourself and you'll work with people that are like-minded and will like accept you and you're being true to yourself so that, was, um, that was really interesting. It's like, I'm not quite there about posting my holiday snaps on Twitter, but it might happen. Watch the space. It's,
0: it's interesting, it? mm. <laughs> I, I find I've got to get in line. Yeah, you I know, do. Because I can't be my full self because that would be too wacky. Too, be. Crazy. And too crazy. And, and <laughs> probably wouldn't, I wouldn't get enough work done as well. And what I found is when you are more open and you just be yourself and,
2: and your whole self, more people open up and start yeah. to do that as well. Mm. So it rubs off, and that's what you create a good team culture where everybody can be themselves. Yeah and people know different people's quirks and you know when to be quiet or when to engage and, yeah. and things like that and it, and it builds a, a culture and hopefully by extension an organisational culture where people are free to share their opinions mm. and Sometimes you have to have difficult conversations or things like that, but they can be done with a touch of the personal, sure, then that's going to benefit the sector, that's going to benefit charities, that's going
0: to benefit a, there's, there's a richness to that, isn't there? It's, yeah. it's almost a kind of a widened definition of diversity, where yeah. everybody is different from everybody else yeah. in one way or another. We're all it? unique, just We're like, like
1: unique. everyone else.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, exactly.
1: So really, should we just be more proud of ourselves as individuals then? and so, <laughs> that and, forward.
0: And, and maybe, you know, on a personal level, being op- being open to the fact that everybody's pretty wonderful yeah. deep and, down and, and different quirks and different yeah. ideas, and maybe the sector needs to represent that. Absolutely. Thank you, dear listener, for listening to this podcast. It's been uh, an enjoyable one it's always good to, to spend time together often we're out interviewing other people but to be talking together it's lovely so I hope you enjoyed it I did
1: <laughs> yeah me too are you looking <laughs> for us to agree yes, yes we, we, we do <laughs> yes do not lovely you have to say verbally on the
0: podcast <laughs> hey? um so uh, so yeah thank you to listener for listening and uh, just thank you our corporate sponsors Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit Magda Aksumit the beautiful website design check it out charitychat.org.uk RRIR Photography for the lovely photographs on our website and finally Forest of Fools who have been playing throughout the show and will be playing us out now that's it from us thank that's you that's it thank you thanks bye. very much bye, bye.